This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Welcome, Second Winders. I have a fabulous lady today in front of me that I'm a little starstruck by. Her name is Dr. Deb Muth. Dr. Deb is an ND and is a woman who, through her own health-seeking journey, started and opened Serenity Healthcare Center in Milwaukee. She is at the leading edge of providing and using natural supplements and bioidentical hormones to heal the body. Integrating these diverse therapies with allopathic Western medicine, she is able to offer a highly refined approach to letting our bodies heal themselves. And that's the goal here. I've been a fan of Dr. Deb since listening to her as a guest on Cindy Kennedy's podcast, Living with Lyme, when I was starting my journey trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I've listened to almost all of the 164 episodes, which is quite a feat in the podcast world, of her podcast, and it's called Let's Talk Wellness Now. I highly recommend it. Amazing guests. I'm blown away. The information is easy to understand. Well, she makes it easy to understand, but there's some pretty complex issues you talk about. And Dr. Deb herself has had many roadblocks and struggles, and through them all, she kept creating and recreating a plan to put her life on a successful course and get her health back. And so I'm so grateful she opened up her time today to speak to us on Second Wind because we're all going to have some takeaways and some terrific information to use in our lives every day. So welcome to Second Wind, the podcast, Dr. Muth. It's just so cool sitting here, having listened to you on a podcast way back when, and now you're sitting here talking with me. It's just really cool. Thank you for letting me be here. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to talk with you today. So let's begin with, you know, you've had many, like a lot of us, many forks in the road and many decisions you've made and many wins, so to speak. So mm -hmm. there was one in particular that kind of started you on your integrative health journey, mm -hmm. which brought you to Serenity Healthcare. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. So I was 28 years old just graduated as a women's health nurse practitioner, was absolutely loving what I did, had my last child and just started to not feel very well, kind of like everybody else, right? You're tired. You're not sleeping well. I was certainly burning the candle at both ends. I was in school many years, working full time, taking care of kids and my family. So I could make a lot of excuses or reasons for why I felt the way I did. But as the symptoms continued to progress and I had more fatigue and more brain fog and joint pain and muscle pain and really wasn't able to focus and concentrate very well anymore, it started to worry me. I started getting lots of symptoms of fibromyalgia or MS. And as 
a healthcare practitioner. Of course, I went searching for answers for myself and knew that if I went to see someone, I was going to come out with either an MS or a fibromyalgia diagnosis. I knew that. I was working at an OB-GYN residency clinic in Milwaukee. And so I made my appointment with my primary care. I went in, it was August, it was 90 degrees. And I went in with a long sleeve shirt and a fleece sweater on. And I was totally comfortable. <laughs> that should have been their first clue that something was wrong, right? Oh my gosh. And I remember the assistant coming in and taking my vitals and taking my temperature yeah. and looking yeah. at this and going, I think this thermometer is broken. Your body temperature is like 92, 90. So he went out, came back, took my temperature again, got the same reading, did this like three times and finally said, I don't know what's wrong with this thermometer, but we can't get a good reading for you. Okay. Oh, never thinking it could actually be a patient. Right. Never really okay. thinking that that could be maybe my real body temperature with my fleece sweater on. So the doctor came in and did his exam, never commented on my body temperature, never commented on my fleece sweater and diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, gave me a prescription for narcotics, a prescription for an antidepressant and said, go home and get your affairs in order. You're going to be disabled in about four years. My gosh. And I was like, what? <laughs> and that was the extent of the discussion. There was no discussion about anything else being a possibility for me being sick, no other treatments. And mind you, this was, you know, in the early 90s when fibromyalgia was kind of new to the front. We didn't know nearly then what we know now about it. And so I walked out, I went to my car, sat in the parking lot for 20 minutes sobbing, thinking, mm -hmm. what do you mean? I'm, I'm 28 years old. What do you mean I'm going to be disabled? And 28 years old, three children, three children, brand new career and disabled. And so I went home and I talked to my husband, told him what was going on. And he's like, this is crazy, Deb. You're not going to be disabled. And don't worry about that. And luckily I was at the point in my life where, you know, people placing things like that on me, I'm more of a rebel. So I'm more the one that's going to say, you know, screw you. I'm not going to be disabled. I'll figure this out. Where other people would have really embraced that and that would have been their legacy. And that's not who I am. And so at the time I had some quote unquote wacky friends and they were my voodoo friends. They did a lot of alternative yeah, you things for which and you're I made fun of them a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. And my witchcraft friends. Yes. And so I called my friends and said, okay, here's what's going on. There's got to be something else. Who do you know? I'm going to look outside the box. And luckily, they didn't mind me teasing them back then. And now I'm the witchcraft lady, right? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so they took me under their wing and they took me to a nutritionist. They took me to a holistic nurse. They took me to like five or six different people. And we changed my diet. They looked at my thyroid and I had a thyroid issue. Lo and behold, no surprise. And I started getting better. It was gradual, but I started getting better. And within about, I'd say a month to six weeks, most of my symptoms were gone. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, so I never saw that primary care doctor again. But then there were still these cycles of feeling sick. I would cycle through like every four to six weeks. I'd feel like I was coming down with something. I'd get a sore mm -hmm. throat. I'd get 
flu-like symptoms. I'd be achy. I'd be tired. And it just kind of kept going in waves. Mm -hmm. And knowing now what I know, I, I can look back and say, okay, I know where this came from. I was living in a house that was remodeled. There was black mold growing on the wall in the closet. So I had a toxic mold exposure. I knew very little about mold back then. I do way more now. But we'd keep cleaning it up and my husband would take the drywall out and put it back. And then we'd remodel the house again. And it was when we moved out of that house and we moved into a new house that about two months later, I went, hmm, I'm not getting sick anymore like I was. That's odd. Mm -hmm. And so I knew something in that house was making me sick and I suspected it was the mold. And then I started, that started my journey on studying alternative medicine. My friends taking me in and I was like, you know what? There's so much of this. I have to learn more about alternative medicine. And I started on a journey to become a naturopath and learn all of this alternative medicine stuff. And it's been great since then. You know, it's been wonderful. And as I learned more about alternative medicine, I realized what really triggered my illness was Lyme disease. When I... Yeah, exactly. In my alternative world, you know, I started learning about Lyme disease and it was solely by accident. I had some sick patients that I was sending up to see my friend Steve Morass in Fond du Lac and they were coming back and they were getting so much better. And I was curious, like, what are you doing? That's so much better. And I went up, I spent a couple of days with him. I followed him around in his clinic and I'm sitting there going, hmm, check, 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 check with all the symptoms the patients were describing. And I said to him, I said, I think I have Lyme disease. He says, everybody thinks they have Lyme disease. And I'm like, no, I'm really serious. And I explained what was going on to me back then when I was 28. And he said, yeah, you probably did. Why don't you test? And invited me to become a Lyme practitioner. He said, you know, I need help. I'm the only one in the state. And I want you to go train with Dr. Horowitz and help us in the state. And so I embarked on that training. I went home and did the test. And lo and behold, now this is, I'm probably, I was probably 36 at that point. So quite a few years after my initial diagnosis of fibromyalgia, right. I tested positive, IgM positive for Lyme. Wow. And I looked back and I went, you know what? Just before I got sick, I had an embedded tick in my collar area. I was camping for the weekend and never saw it until I came home and it was embedded for a couple of days. And I remember having talked to one of our residents about it and saying, hey, I got this tick bite. Do you think I should be concerned? Like, should I take something? Oh, no, it's fine, they said. Mm. And so we moved the tick and it was no big deal. And I didn't think anything of it back then. But when I learned about Lyme disease, I was like, yeah, it was never fibromyalgia. It was Lyme. Mm -hmm. I had a thyroid issue. And once I started treating Lyme, knock on wood, I've been pretty good. On occasion, I might have a little relapse here or there and I jump on it right away. And I, and I know when it's happening because I get very specific joint pain and I get headaches and then I jump on treatment and I can keep it into control. And yeah, then that's my journey of misdiagnoses. And it's the story that most Lyme patients tell all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So interesting. And then what people might be saying to themselves right now are, well, you thought it was the mold and you got better. So why did you even think that it could be Lyme? 
because you were better. You moved into a new house. There was no more mobile. Mm-hmm. You were better. Why did you even right. go down that path? Yep. So for me, although I was better and I wasn't cycling with the same symptoms, I still had some lingering symptoms. Okay. And when I started learning about Lyme and I was putting all the pieces together about how I felt back then, like what the process was that I went through. That's when it dawned on me, like all of these symptoms of Lyme, the headaches, the neck creaking, the joint pain, the joint swelling, the fatigue that's crippling, muscle pain that just kind of moves around all the time. Yeah, you could have probably called it fibromyalgia, but it's a very classic sign of Lyme disease. So when I started learning more about what Lyme was and I put all those symptoms together, I was like, it's too coincidental that all these symptoms are Lyme. And it started right after that. I had that tick bite. Yeah. And many people have Lyme are affected by mold as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think mold definitely was a problem for me back then. And getting out of that house was helpful. But the Lyme was the biggest issue. It really was. And treating the Lyme made all the difference in the world for me. And now I hardly have any symptoms. I'd maybe treat once a year with something. And that's about it, you know. And that's pretty good considering how long I had Lyme that went untreated yeah. for so many years. I'm very lucky because most people who go that long being untreated have some very residual chronic issues that are very difficult to resolve. And they have chronic Lyme, which is a problem. And so I'm very blessed that I don't have a lot of residual symptoms. But yeah, still, it, it's, un- it's still amazing. And again, we're proving once again that you have to be your own advocate, not just take what the doctor says as the Bible and what you need to live by, right? And Absolutely. people understand and seek to get more answers, mm-hmm. which is just how you led your life, sort yeah. of, right? Yeah. So let's dive down that rabbit hole a little bit with who is Dr. Deb and how you came to be into the health world anyway, which is not really <laughs> like your father kind of said, nope, you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. So like all kids, we have these careers that we think we want to do and and we're just exploring, right? And I remember being about 13 or 14. I don't know any girl at 13 or 14 who doesn't love doing makeup and hair and all those things and think we might want to be a hairstylist, right? That might be one of the things we want to do in our life. And I remember making that comment to my parents and like they grabbed a hold of that, like that's what I was going to do. And at about age 16, I really wanted to become an attorney. I wanted to explore law. And I remember my dad saying, you can't be a lawyer. You're not smart enough for that. And I was like, oh, okay. And my parents really held on to that idea of me being a hairstylist. And so being the dutiful daughter that I am, I went down that path and I went to school and I didn't really fight that back then. And it was a few years in that I realized, like, I'm really not good at this. <laughs> like, it's, I'm okay at it, but I'm not great at I mean, it. Sure, I'll cut your hair, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, like, I can cut your hair, but, like, I'm not really into the whole styling and all that girly stuff, right? That's not really who I am. And I really gravitated a lot to healthcare. When I was 16, I worked in a nursing home worked with a nursing home that was ran by the nuns. And I really enjoyed working with the elderly people, working to help care for them. 
And never really dawned on me back then that I would end up in medicine, but I really loved it. And so when I was in healthcare or when I was in hairstyling and I started to decide like, this is not for me, like, it's just not worth it. I'm not good at it and I'm not making enough money at it. And I want to do something differently. I started to explore different things. So I went back to elder care and worked in an Alzheimer's unit and really enjoyed that. But thought, you know, I really enjoy psychology too. So maybe I'll be a psychologist and started back in that avenue of going to school as a psychologist and took all my classes and I was one class away. I was like, you have to do a preceptorship. That was the only thing I had left to do. And at that moment, then I changed my mind. Like, I don't know that I want to do this. I think I want to do something bigger, different, you know? And so... Went back to school again, changed my major, one class away from graduating, changed my major again, and decided to go into nursing. And I wanted to have a way that I could really support my family and have a career that was exciting and allowed me to help people and was in demand and paid well. That's really how it started. And I wouldn't have to worry about ever being laid off, all that kind of good stuff, right? So went back to school, got into nursing. And while I was in nursing school, I had the pleasure of working in an infertility clinic with a physician who was amazing, cutting edge. And I loved it. I loved working with women. I loved the whole hormone aspect of things. It was just like, that's my connection. That's where I need to be. And I learned so much from him and was allowed to do so much as an RN that we would never be allowed to do today as an RN. And so when I graduated from nursing school, I knew if I wanted to continue to be able to grow and do the things that he had taught me to do, I'd have to go back to school and be an NP. I couldn't just be an RN. And so I embarked on becoming a women's health nurse practitioner. That was my love and still is today my love and graduated as a women's health nurse practitioner. And that's when I started finding out I was sick. And so that's how I got to medicine. And really just continued to grow my education at that point. Ah, that is quite, that's quite, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah, I wanted to always be a veterinarian mm-hmm. and my father would say, yeah, it'd be great if there weren't that whole science aspect to it. Yeah. That you can't obviously do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right. <laughs> so, no, I it. Yes. I was worried too about the math. Like I'm terrible at math. And I was like, oh, math is going to kill me. Algebra is going to kill me. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And and it's all good. But I'll tell you, uh, when I went back for my advanced degree and I had to take algebra again, and it had been like eight years since I did algebra, I had to go grab my nephew and have him tutor me in algebra because I'm like, I was so paranoid. I wasn't going to be able to do math well. And I did fine, but it just made me comfortable that he was there helping me in case I had questions. And I was like, oh, this is so stupid. (laughs) It's like a whole nother podcast, like what you're told and what you buy into. Yes. And how that sets you up to continue to feel that way when presented. Mm -hmm. Whereas you'll have people say, well, I always thought I could do it. So, of course, I did it. Exactly. So here you are. You're learning all this stuff about Lyme. And... Which what's really interesting about you is also that we didn't talk about was that you met your husband when you were 14. He did. It's super interesting. And how long have you been married now? It will be 32 years next week. 
or next month. Mm-hmm. Next month, three adult children yeah. and four grandchildren. Four grandchildren. Super exciting. And you're practicing today and you have the podcast. Yes. Let's do wellness now. Mm-hmm. You're a busy, busy lady. Yes. And I'm coaching other doctors to learn to do what we do so that we can have more young providers carrying on this legacy of integrative medicine and treating Lyme and chronic illness and all of those kinds of things. So let's talk a little bit about integrative medicine for those who, you know, it's a catchy term right now, but I don't know if everybody really, truly understands (laughs) what it is. Can you share that? I can't. So we tossed around a lot of terms of holistic medicine, alternative medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine. And to some degree, they all kind of overlap themselves in some aspects. But the beauty of integrative medicine is that you're not turning away traditional allopathic medicine that we're used to, but you're combining the best of both worlds. So you're taking the best of allopathic medicine and the best of what we call our alternative world. So herbs, nutrition, lifestyle changes, meditation, supplements, all of those kinds of things. And you're bringing them together and you're merging the two. So if we have something in our allopathic world, like a particular medication that's going to work really great for somebody, we're going to utilize that. But if we have something better in the alternative world, that's going to fix the problem and do what we need it to do, we're going to pull that in as well. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to use some short-term things in allopathic medicine because the natural things take a little longer to work, but we don't Mm -hmm. want to wait so long sometimes to get results. So when we can blend the two, that's when the miracles happen. That's when we can get people to feel better faster and get them over the hump a lot quicker. And that's truly what integrative medicine is. Oh, yeah. I think that's really the path we all should be on. We should. Because your bodies, you said this really well in one of your 164 podcasts. So I can't remember which one. Probably all of them have an element to this is that our bodies are designed to heal themselves. Exactly. We just need to give our bodies the tools to do that, which means we have to have a good foundation. We have to have good nutrition. And people talk about that all the time. And it seems like it's a no brainer, but it's a big deal sometimes. And good nutrition for one person isn't necessarily the same good nutrition for somebody else because you may have food sensitivities or we have likes and dislikes, of course, and your medical condition may allow you to have some things in one area, but not in another. So really honing in good diet that feeds your body what it needs to heal, that's huge. Reducing your stress, another big, huge thing. But if we can put together the deficiencies and build on those, people will get much better. A good example of this is people who have ADHD or they have anxiety. Oftentimes that's caused by a neurotransmitter imbalance. And a neurotransmitter is just a signaling thing that happens in the body so that all of the pathways that the body's supposed to go through to do something actually works. But if we don't absorb our foods properly or we're not eating enough protein, we can't make our building blocks, which are called amino acids, to make our neurotransmitters. And then everything gets disrupted in our brain. Our brains misfire. And so we'll have anxiety and panic attacks and insomnia and ADHD type symptoms and fatigue and depression and all of that kind of thing. So if we give the body the amino acids that it needs to have those building blocks work properly, the body can function without Adderall and Ritalin and Xanax and all of those kinds of things really, really well. 
And that's where all of the integrative medicine stuff actually happens is when we can do things like that. So from what I understand in my little dabbling in it all mm -hmm. is you don't actually, tell me if I'm wrong, but you don't actually need to go on these medications if you're able to stick to the plan to get these neuropathways speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. When these medications are administered, it oftentimes just keeps you mm -hmm. right where you are. Like you're never going to get better. You won't get worse, but you're mm -hmm. not going to get better. Is that the case with like even autism? If that is the case. You know, even like antidepressants are a really great example of this. We give somebody an antidepressant because they're depressed and God forgive us for all the side effects that we see on TV with it. Like you might get more depressed with this. But the problem with an antidepressant is that if you don't have enough serotonin in your gut, you can't activate that antidepressant. So the antidepressant only takes the serotonin you have in your gut and it holds it in the brain for a longer period of time so it can be utilized. But if you're deficient in serotonin, and there's nothing for this drug to grab from to put in your brain, you're not going to really feel a whole lot better. You're just kind of on that level playing field and they're just kind of numbing you. They're not really elevating you. So if we can identify what's causing the depression and we can fix it, we can feed the body what it needs to make that neurotransmitter. Oftentimes people don't need antidepressants and medications like that. So in that particular case, would you then give somebody serotonin? Like how would that work? Mm -hmm. One of the many reasons for this podcast is to collect, connect, and share information that will add to your life. It is my honor and pleasure to share products with you that I buy, use, and believe in that are high quality, sustainable, responsible to our earth, and that actually work. One product I have been using for almost a year now, every day, and now twice a day with the diagnosis of my Lyme disease is collagen. Collagen is a buzzword right now, because collagen is a protein that makes up 30% of our bodies. And like everything else, as we age, we lose it. Fine lines, brittle nails, dull hair, achy joints, dry skin are all part of why collagen is so essential. So let me share why Elaine Collagen, the brand I use, is in my opinion more effective than what's out there on those shelves. It is easy to use, tasteless, and dissolves into any beverage. It's non-GMO. And it's from cows raised in Spain and no chemicals are used for its extraction. Bingo, speak in my language. You can experience the benefits for yourself and receive 15% off by using the code SECONDWIND, all one word, at checkout at elainewellness.com. And if you want to know more about Elaine and her Second Wind story, listen to her episode. The title is Plot Twist. There's no such thing as anti-aging from March 15, 2021. Now, back to the episode. Mm -hmm. You can give someone a precursor to serotonin called 5-HTP or tryptophan, and that will then make serotonin in their body for them. And then they don't necessarily need the antidepressants. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, just give the body what it needs. Mm -hmm. One thing I found really interesting, because you love the hormones. I do. And hormones have so much to do with everything. And you work with bioidentical uh -huh. hormones. And there's two things I want to ask you about this specifically. One is, what made you fall into the hormone aspect of all of this and health? Was it because you saw so many women who ended up coming to you because of that was like the one common denominator 
Because I just think after what I've heard after you have babies and after all this and we're headed into our second wind and we get the weight gain, we get the wrinkles, yes. we get the fog, that a lot of this and we get maybe lower libido and all this stuff that kind of finds its way into other places, you know, that it could be simply a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. Is that true? That is true. So I fell into the whole hormone thing when I was working in infertility. In infertility, you see a lot of hormone disruption. You know, it mm. disrupts the menstrual cycle. They can't ovulate properly. And then there's premature ovarian failure where you go into early menopause. And so that's where my love actually came from. So when I came into integrative medicine, I knew I wanted to work with women who had hormonal disruptions. And so I worked with women across the spectrum, whether it was PMS or premature ovarian failure and menopause. And that's because I had all that knowledge from fertility work. I really knew how to manipulate hormones really well to get us to do what the body should be doing. And so that was kind of like my flag in the sand when I started to be in integrative medicine. I was going to, I'm the hormone expert, right? Did all my studying around it. And I was very young working with menopausal women. So I kind of knew like, okay, this is what's coming for me in the next 15, 20 years, you know? I, but I could see so many changes for them. Like they would describe what's happening. Like you said, you know, my brain is foggy. I'm gaining weight around the midsection. My breasts are heavy and tender. My periods are disrupted. Of course, the hot flashes and the night sweats and then the decreased sex drive and then the moodiness and irritability and the depression and the lack of focus and concentration and motivation. And it really disrupts our life. And the reality is we're going to work much longer today than we ever have. Social Security is out now past 70, right, for the younger people. And if we're going to stay in the game as long as we need to, we need to be sharp. And yeah. it's very difficult to do that without balancing the hormones and without supplementing some kind of hormonal things, because we're going to live as many years in menopause as we lived before we were in menopause. And this is That's the so first time. Yeah, this is the first time women will live almost 40 years without hormones compared to what it was like in the 50s or 60s where we didn't live as long. So there wasn't that length of time in menopause like there is today. And, right. you know, 60 is the new 40, right? And so if you're 60, you want to be on top of your game. You don't want to just look good, but you want to be on top of your game. You want to stay in that competitive world. You want to look great. You want to feel great. You want to be able to enjoy all the things that life can offer you. And hormones allows us to do that. And we can do it safely with bioidentical hormones. That fear that estrogen is going to give you cancer. That does not need to be the fear. It can be done safely, but you really need to do it with somebody who understands that because the traditional idea of just throwing a patch at somebody or just throwing a pill at someone and never measuring or testing or looking at family history or seeing what methylation is about in the body. That methylation is huge. It's huge. Yes. yes. Dr. Kim Ledowski in Australia, she's a forefront on the yeah. methylation mm -hmm. gene. Yep. Yeah. And that's how just we get into trouble with them. Mm-hmm. Methylation yeah, is huge. I say to my doctors, hey, I ended up testing for both those genes, whatever. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. And so Park. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. And they were like, oh, you did. Okay, good. This is really good information. So we can change some of this. You can't mm -hmm. just have vitamin B like this. You have to have it this way. And, right. and, and that yeah. has made a huge 
huge difference. It's a huge difference. Genetic medicine today, which we call nutrigenomics, is at the forefront. Like we started talking about nutrigenomics 20 plus years ago. And it was a slow, gradual climb until about 10 years ago. And it just has skyrocketed since then because we can test genes now differently than what we do if somebody has like a a genetic defect. They're born with a genetic defect. When we're talking about looking at genes like this, we're looking at pathways. We're looking at how your body filters things and utilizes things and moves things. And that kind of information, I think, is going to be the future to medicine because it's going to allow us to truly do individualized medicine where we can plug somebody's genetics into a computer software program and it can tell us like, here's the problems this person's going to have if you don't change this lifestyle and that thing or add this supplement or do that. It has come such a long way and it's wonderful. I'm excited for that. And that needs to happen like Mm -hmm. yesterday. Yes. And my next question for you is, and just because I listened to an episode you had on about testosterone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With Dr. Matt Chalmers. Yes. I think mm-hmm. who it was. Yes. Dr. Matt Chalmers and testosterone. And here I am. I've taken, I'm certified as an integrative health coach, mm-hmm. but I've never heard about testosterone. Yeah. And here I am with Lyme. And obviously that can just shoot your libido right in the gut. And you just be like, yeah, don't even look at me because I can't yeah. even go. Mm-hmm. Not fair to your spouse or you or anyone around yeah. you. And then he's talking about testosterone and how this can be so helpful, especially mm-hmm. for women in our second wind. What do you think about the testosterone? Love testosterone. And I will say this on the Lyme front, for those of you who that are listening that have Lyme, one of the problems with Lyme is it tanks our hormones. And I've seen so much early menopause, pre-menopause, 35, 40-year-old women going through menopause with Lyme. Because it totally takes out the endocrine system and it disrupts your hormones. So if you have Lyme, get tested for your hormones, get a baseline so you know where they're at and follow them. But testosterone's huge. You know, women have estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, androstenedione. We have a lot of different hormones in our bodies. And unlike men who testosterone is their primary, women have a smaller amount of testosterone But if you're testosterone deficient, you have lack of motivation, lack of energy, lack of creativity, more body fat, not enough muscle mass, difficulty thinking and concentrating, and of course, poor sex drive and difficulty reaching orgasm. So it's important for us to make sure that testosterone is optimized so that women don't have to fight the battle of the bulge quite so much. It helps so that they, when they're working out, they're actually building muscle and burning body fat. We do have to be a little cautious because there are some methods of doing hormones like pellets that overshoot these hormones. And once they're put in your body, you can't take them out until they go away, which is about 12 weeks. So they overshoot a high dose of testosterone, which makes you feel amazing in the beginning. But then by the second or third pellet that they implant, because it's such a high amount of testosterone, you're starting to have a lot of side effects from the testosterone. Facial hair growth, irritability, moodiness road ragey feelings, things like that. And it takes a long time to get that testosterone out of your body if you've been overdosed with it. And a lot of practitioners like to overdose testosterone because you'll feel good really fast on a higher dose, but they don't think to titrate it back down afterwards. So bolusing for a short period of time is fine, but not a long period of time. And we always want to dose back what's physiological for us. So how much the body makes or is supposed to make in a day 
is how much we want to give back to the body so the body can still produce its own hormones and we don't turn off that production. Right, right, right. So is it possible though, like if you give especially in Lyme, like me, Mm -hmm. some testosterone, that my body as I heal can actually start producing what I need again? Yes, absolutely. And testosterone is necessary for cellular repair and healing. And so if you're testosterone deficient, that can prevent your cells from regenerating themselves as well. Gotcha. And that's what we need because these little boogers are going through our cell membranes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. So interesting. Dr. Deb, tell me also, because you in your awesome podcast, Let's Talk Wellness Now, Mm -hmm. I'll just say it so people will go listen to it. You have a whole nother part of it where you say things like, and your best sex life ever. What? (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I love talking about sex and I've been certified as a sex counselor many, many years ago. Yes. When I was working a lot in women's health, I went and got certified by an organization called ASECT and they certify sex therapists and sex counselors and things like that. And I really think that women in the second half of their life can have an amazing sex life. I mean, it's a great time, right? You don't have to worry about pregnancy. Your adult children are usually gone. So you have time to spend on your partner. And we should, we should be spending time with them and focusing on them and rekindling our relationship. But many of us are so busy doing everything else. We don't focus on that. So I don't know if I shared this with you before or not. So a few years back, (laughs) a few years back, I wanted to rekindle myself and reconnect with my feminine side because I felt like I was too masculine. I was too busy in my business, too busy working from that masculine side. And I wanted to reconnect with my feminine side. And so I took a trip off to Mallorca, Spain, and did my very first ever women's retreat in a priestess program. And so we focused on femininity, sexuality, sensuality, reigniting the different parts of who we are as a female and leading from that feminine energy and leaving that masculine energy a little bit behind. And it was eye-opening for me. It was amazing. And so I came back from that with the determination to say, you know what? I have so many women that complain of a decreased sex drive in their 40s and 50s that I want to help them rekindle that flame. And so I created a digital program called Sexcess, S-E-X hyphen C-E-S-S. And it walks people through partners Women and men can do this program together, but you do it with your partner and it teaches you how to reconnect, how to be playful again, how to reignite your sex life, how to make it exciting again. Unfortunately, couples that have been in a long-term relationship, sex gets boring. Let's just call it what it is. We do the same thing. We know what each other is going to do. There's not really a lot of excitement unless we really work at it. There's not a lot of foreplay that goes on anymore. Like when you were dating and you were young, you know, you text, you'd send a message, you'd call, you'd dress up, you'd get, you know, all kinds of fun things, right? And as your relationship matures, we don't do that quite so much anymore. We don't have to, right? But because we don't have to, it also makes things boring. And so this program walks people through on how to rekindle that relationship, how to make it a priority 
tips and tricks to reignite and have the best sex life of their life. And it's kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. So how long have you been doing that? I started that three years ago. I started that program. And you know what? I have patients that are in their 70s doing this program. And one of my patients said to me, I wish I would have known this when I was 40 or 50. And I feel like I'm too old. And I'm like, you're never too old. Everything still works. We might have to do it a little differently, but it all still works. And I'll never forget one of my favorite couples I ever took care of. They were in their 80s when they started coming to me for integrative medicine. And at 86 years old, he was still chasing her around the bedroom and she loved it. It it wasn't like a bad thing for her. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be like that when I'm 86 years old. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely doable. And it's something that we shouldn't be afraid to talk about. But we do. We, we're embarrassed to talk about it. We're afraid to talk about it. And we shouldn't be because it's part of life. It's what we do. Part of what our body supposed to do. And Dr. Deb, the ripple down effect of being fully happy mm-hmm. in all aspects of our humanness. Yes. It's just got to be, I mean, I just could imagine how that just ripples down to everyone you come in contact with. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so true. And as a soul are emitting this great energy mm-hmm. now. Yes. When we have love and physical connection, and it doesn't have to be, you know, sexual penetration, it's physical connectedness. But when we have that and we're enjoying that, we put that out into the world more. And Mm -hmm. the more we put that out in the world, the better off the world is. And it's amazing how your relationship changes when you focus on each other like that. And, you know, I hear a lot of women talk about how their partners aren't what they want them to be. You know, they they don't cuddle, they don't snuggle, they don't talk, they don't do this, they don't do that. But we have to look at ourselves too, because if we're not doing that or we're not accepting what they're doing, you know, they could have been doing it for a while, but then we rejected them too much. So then they just stopped, but then we want it and they don't know what to do and you don't know what to do. And I don't want to engage if you're going to tell me no. And there's all these crazy things that happen to us in our minds when that happens your relationship starts to pull apart. And if you want your relationship to be really good, you want to stay physically connected. So whether that means you you walk up and you slide your hand across their back as you're walking past the kitchen and just say, you know, hey, honey, I love you, you know, or you look great today. Or, you know what, I'm so glad that you did this for me. Those little things go a long way with our partners and all of a sudden they'll start doing the same thing if we start. And I know for a lot of women, it's like, well, I'm tired of always having to be the one to initiate or do these kinds of things. But when there's been a lot of rejection for our partners, we have to re-engage them. And that has to come from us first before they're going to do it back to us. Everything you're saying is so true. And if we all sit there and admit it, it's Mm -hmm. 100%. But also you said, and that reminded me of what you and Dr. Matt said on your podcast was women really do drive the emotional bus. We do. Mm -hmm. And if we can't do it, it goes into the dumpster. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And a lot of it is our own hormonal balance. Mm -hmm. And gosh, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And it's how we see ourselves too, you know, how we perceive ourselves. How many times 
has a woman been like, don't turn on the lights because I don't want you to see my stomach or I don't want you to see my legs or I'm going to have sex with my pajamas on because I don't want you to see my body. And so sometimes I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Sometimes we do that from very young ages when our bodies are really not that bad. And then now we're, you know, 55 or 60 and it's really different. My concerns about back then, what a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's a waste of time for us. But I'll tell you, when I went to this priestess program, it was really interesting because they brought some men in for us to talk to. And the men said to us, you ladies are so focused on a little cellulite or a little belly fat or a little this. He said, they all told us, like, we don't see that when we We look at women. They don't see it. They see us as beautiful voluptuous. They just want to eat us up and snuggle and, you know, just be with us. And we're the ones that are like, oh, I can't lay like this because my stomach roll is going to be there. Or I better lay like this. So my chin doesn't fall forward, you know? We're mean to ourselves and each other. We, we are, are to each other. We are terrible to one another. Absolutely. And that self-talk really gets us down. And so mm-hmm. when we can start appreciating and accepting who we are and loving ourselves, then we can give a lot more loving energy to others in our lives too. Dr. Deb, you are the real deal. You are the whole thing of wellness, like the whole humanness of what you offer us and our soul. Really? That's amazing. Like I knew I loved you, but now I really, wow. It's Amazing. I would love, before we wrap this up, because you and I could talk forever. Yes. I would love to find out when someone comes to your practice, do you have, I know you have many, but a case in particular where someone came to you, maybe just distraught and my life, I just don't mm-hmm. even know. I'm so sick. I'm so this, I'm so that. Mm-hmm. Where you've seen it from beginning to end, so to speak, even though it's not the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I tell this story often. It's my Amber story. And I love Amber. And she's just a wonderful lady. She gives me goosebumps every time I talk about her. But she came into my office, gosh, how long ago was this? Probably 10 years ago, nine years ago, something like that, in a wheelchair, Mm -hmm. hardly able to speak, hardly able to control her body function. She was with her husband. She was in her mid-30s at the time. Yeah, Um, had no idea what was wrong with her. She had seen 40, 50 doctors, spent well over 150,000 cash out of her pocket for healthcare, still no answers. And we went through her history, spent a lot of time with her. She had Lyme, she had mold, she had adrenal issues, she had everything, right? And we worked with her for about three years. And one day I was standing at the front desk and the building I was in had skylights. So it was a beautiful sunny day. All this beautiful sun's coming in and in walks this beautiful woman with this glowing look on her beautiful blonde bouncing hair. And I looked up and I did a double take. I was like, oh my God, it's Amber. And she had never walked into our office before. You didn't barely recognize her. I barely recognized her. And all of us at at our front desk were just like, oh my God, we all just started crying. And so she went from being in this wheelchair to all of the things that we had done for her to being able to walk in our office one day and 
having her life regained. And it's amazing. And I still see her today as patient and she has some new struggles, but she's still functioning in the world. She's still working and she's such an amazing advocate for people with Lyme and Addison's disease and chronic illness. She is just the most amazing woman I've ever met in my life. And I think about her often, you know, if I get down about not being able to get somewhere or do something for somebody, I think of her often because she really encourages me to keep doing what I'm doing, keep learning new things, keep adding things for people and just keep going on what I'm doing. And yeah, she's an amazing person. Oh, that's fantastic. You gave her her life back, basically. Mm -hmm. Wow. Without you, I wonder if she'd still be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah. Or giving up at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Which was a great segue to what does keep you going, Dr. Dab? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got four grandchildren now. I'm supposed to have one come in at the end of August. So I'm excited. Congratulations. Thank you. And be available for that, but also want to keep following my passion and keep taking care of all the the rescues on my Mm -hmm. farm. And I'm already starting to feel a little bit of anxiety about timing. (laughs) How am I going to do all of that? How? And you've got a thriving practice plus your excess. Plus you are on the cutting edge of the hormone stuff. So you're always constantly learning. You love learn more and find out all the different methodologies to get to the health of someone. What keeps you going and how do you balance it all? Because you have, you still get occasionally some symptoms. I do. Which facilitating Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. How do you do this? (laughs) That is a great question. Sometimes I don't know. (laughs) There are moments where I'm like, okay, what is wrong with me? Obviously I'm an overachiever. That's just a given. But what really keeps me going are the patients really. I mean, I love being able to touch someone's life and let them have the life that they want. Um, Mm -hmm. And as long as I can do that, I want to continue to do that. And the podcast thing is kind of fun for me. Like I get to meet a lot of people. I get to talk to a lot of people. And and I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy that when I started. And it's allowed me the avenue to meet people that I would never be able to meet and be part of people's lives and journeys that I would never have done before. And I really enjoy that. So it doesn't feel like work for me. Um, mm-hmm. I get to just interview, record, and then somebody else takes care of all the other stuff on that end. So it's nice. I don't have to learn the tech stuff. And I've always loved, I've always been curious. So I have always loved learning, always loved, you know, growing my knowledge base and things like that. It's exciting to me. And uh, yeah, and, and I have a great husband. I have a very supportive husband who's just like, this is who you are. I don't know that you're ever going to be able to stop doing that. Like we talk about retirement and he's like, yeah, right. You're never going to retire. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I probably never will. I might not see patients as much as I do today, right. but I really enjoy it. And I get a lot out of it and it stimulates me and excites me. So I try to keep balance. You know, I do my personal things. I see my chiropractor. I see my massage therapist every week. I do things for me to help fill me back up so that when I'm giving out to the world all the time, I don't get so drained. Um, And really the only reason I can do what I do is because of the people around me. I've got great people around me and my practice that support what I do and practitioners and management. And my daughter gets to work with me and I love that. And 
So yeah, I mean, it's really fun for me at this point in my life. So your daughter works with you just like Cindy's daughter works with yeah. her. What does your daughter do? My daughter's you? one of our medical assistants. She's my clinical manager. So she wow. has been all my staff and she's been with me for about 12 years now. And so, yeah, so it's really fun. So we get to do this thing together and that's exciting. Plus you have a husband who is like more than the average supportive husband. When you said you suddenly had to find a space mm -hmm. for serenity yeah, and you were going to take a bite out of this huge stress of finding a place that, that had to be bigger and had to have all this stuff. Yeah. And you walked into the space and you knew it was magical, as you put it, and you wanted it, but you walked away saying, oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I can do this. And what did your husband say to you? He said, you can do this. You've got this. We'll figure got it out. You've got this. Yeah. You know, and, and we all get those moments where we just think like, I'm not good enough. Nobody's going to come and see me. Who's going to want to work with me? All of that goes through all of our minds all the time, right? At some point in our lives, we're going to experience that. And he was the one that kept saying, you've got this. You, you can do this. You're not going to fail. Don't worry about it. Your patients love you. They'll follow you and you'll grow. And, you know, and if it wasn't for him, I, I probably wouldn't have taken the leap. I probably would have said, you know, maybe I should just stay where I'm at. And I, and I wouldn't have what we have today and we wouldn't be treating people the way we're treating them today. And so every time I do something new, I go back to him and I say, what do you think? And he's not, he's a non-medical person. So he's an outside of the box thinker. He doesn't know my world. And he can be my sounding board for when I'm not sure if it's something that we should take on or not. And it's a great objective mindset. So he gets to be involved a little bit from that aspect of things. So, And what are, and you're so lucky you have that. And I think we all can have that if we cultivate that yes. within our relationship. So yeah. tell us how we can find you. How can everybody find you? Hormones. Maybe I have Lyme. Who knows? Yeah. You know, whatever the second winders are listening to today, how can they find you and work with you? Absolutely. So you can find me at serenityhealthcarecenter.com. We also have a Serenity Healthcare Facebook page and an Instagram page and a YouTube page. So if you're wanting to learn more and you like YouTube videos, you can hop over there. We also have something called Serenity U, which is a digital program that has about a hundred different videos in it of us talking about all the different health things that affect people. So we talk about hormones, we talk about sex, we talk about Lyme disease and mold toxicity and all these things. We give you tips and tricks on how to talk to your own doctors about this, how to find other integrative practitioners about to work with. So there's lots of different ways that people can work with us. And we've really kind of defined ourselves as we're the medical detectives of today's age. You know, if you have a problem and you've seen a bunch of people and nobody can give you the answers or you don't feel comfortable with what the answers are that you've gotten, we will work with you and dig and dig and dig until we find the answer and get you back to where you want to be. We won't give up on you. We encourage you not to give up on yourself and we will keep finding everything that we need to. No stone unturned until we can find the answers for you. And in the meantime, they can simply listen to you on your amazing podcast, Let's Talk Wellness Now yes. with Dr. That's right. You could do that too. It's a great podcast. Well, Dr. Deb, Thank you so much for your time today. Oh my gosh, I loved it. I'm sure the Second Wind audience and hopefully new people are listening and loving it as well. 
And just thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This has been really fun. Thank you. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.